0: We're in the middle of a series of, I believe, very critical teachings for the time we're living in. They've been important ever since God gave them to the Apostle Paul. Um, But if they've ever been needed, they're needed now. I'm talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the reality of those gifts. God's view of how the church should be functioning in this hour. And uh, we've been kind of working our way systematically through each of the gifts the Apostle Paul listed, uh, dealing first with the spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to just read to you the first few verses right up to the particular gift that we're going to be talking about today. I know you've, if you've been here, you've heard these over and over again. Don't tune me out. You need to remember them, you need to hear them, uh, because you've received, if you're A born-again believer and you've received the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life I believe these gifts are resident in you if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit I believe these gifts should be flowing in your life and it's God's desire and by the way you'll never be more satisfied and fulfilled than when you're flowing in your grace there's something about it God's wired it in such a way that when I'm doing what he created me to do I'm happy you know something's fulfilling in that place, and so many people are frustrated because they're not really moving in the grace they've received, and they're just they're frustrated with life. And and so I'm here to help you today by the grace of God. Amen. That's why I believe God set me here, and I pray that it's the case when it's all said and done. So First Corinthians chapter twelve, beginning in verse seven, Paul writes and says, "But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man." to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts, plural, of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, and here we are today, discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits father i pray this morning that you would just give us help here today your spirit even here now would help us to understand what this is all about and how it fits and how it flows and what we're called to do with it lord i thank you that this grace is resident right here in this congregation as a gift from you we don't want to despise it or put it on the shelf we want it to have its full benefit right here not only for us but for all to whom you send us we ask you for this help now in jesus name amen and amen this is a really interesting gift i am by the way um, convinced that uh, as we're teaching through and just kind of opening the scriptures and allowing god to speak to us If this gift is in you, you may find a unique stirring that goes on inside of you. Or even kind of like a witness that says, you know what, that happened to me once. Hmm, maybe there's something there that I'm supposed to be cultivating that's currently, you know, just kind of dormant. You do know, I say it often in different ways, but the scripture says that we're supposed to fan into flame the gift of God. Stir it up some translations say fan it into flame that means that that gift can be there but be burning really really small maybe just a glow whereas its potential come on its potential is way more way more yeah we've been asking a uh, kind of a, a neat little saying as we go along here concerning the out of your belly should flow a river of living water and this is the spirit he's speaking about but we've been asking the simple questions I know you know it how's it flowing If you're supposed to have a flow in your life of living water and life-giving, the Spirit of God, how is it flowing? Where is it going? And then this one, is it growing? You know, this thing is supposed to grow. The grace of God. God wants an increase. Let's look at it and be real about it. What the church is currently manifesting isn't enough. Hello. It's not enough to get the job done what we're currently manifesting. I'm not talking about the Spirit of God's not enough. I'm just talking about what's currently showing up isn't enough. There's more for us. And we should not settle into a comfortable pew somewhere and say this is all it is. I'm here to tell you today there's more for the church to flow in. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to believe God for an increase. That's what I'm believing for. Amen. Amen. I believe... Uh, that you're here because that's your heart as well. So, discerning of spirits. What an interesting gift God would choose to give to us. Discerning of spirits. Simply defined, this gift represents the ability to discern the spirit behind a given activity or action. What's the spirit behind the action? You can see all kinds of stuff, things that are even good on the surface, but very much could be the devil in spirit as the author of the work. Did you know everything that is good is not God? God is good, but everything that appears good is not necessarily God. That's a fact. We're gonna see very clearly from the scripture this morning that not everything that glitters and looks nice is the Lord, and that we have to discern the spirit behind it because at the end of the day, Whatever spirit is the author of that thing is the same spirit that has an end in mind, which is death. Wanting to steal, to kill, and to destroy people. So, generally speaking, let me just kind of put this out here. There are three possible sources, spiritual sources, for actions and activities to occur from. Three possible sources. The obvious one would be God. God could be behind a thing. The next probably obvious one, it could be the devil and his kingdom, demonic spirits and such. And uh, and then it could be the human spirit. Or, you know, we are a spirit. And we actually have, by design and the gift of life God gave us, a free will. And so we can choose and make up our minds. So some things can be just people's own flesh. You can prophesy out of your own heart. You can do things out of your own stuff. So there's really kind of three realms from which things can come out of and we need to discern where they're coming from a beautiful picture of this is found in matthew's gospel chapter 16 most of you are familiar with this passage jesus says to his disciples who do men say that i am who do men he wants to know who men say that he is and they say well some say you're john the baptist and some say you're that prophet and they say well who do you say that i am and peter pipes in and says you are the christ the son of the living god And then Jesus wants Peter to understand that what he just said didn't originate in him. And he says, Peter, that thought wasn't your thought. I want you to know that because you probably think you're a pretty smart guy right now because you hit it right on the nail on the head. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, that thought came from my father. But Peter didn't know it. So Jesus took the time to help him see it. Okay? Jesus was clearly moving in the discerning of spirits. <laughs> Where's that one coming from? Well, that one's from the Father. And just a few verses later, the same flow of Scripture, Jesus begins to say, in a little while I'm going to be going and I'm going to die in Jerusalem. And Peter pulls him aside. The same Peter pulls him aside and says, you can't do this. It's not your time. It's not right. We've got a big ministry plan for you. you know, I've already got you booked for the next two years, man. <laughs> you know, we've got meetings set up for the next two years. What are you talking about? You can't do... And, and Jesus says to the same Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For you are savoring the things of men, or fleshly, carnal things, and not the things of God. The same guy had, Who do men say that I am? Then he had the Father flowing through him and then he had a demonic voice that he didn't even realize how to discern it and he was cooperating with the kingdom outside. And Jesus was careful to distinguish the source of the thoughts that were flowing. And that's a huge message. We could stop right now and go home almost and just begin chewing on the fact that God wants us discerning of the source of the thoughts that we're entertaining. That's why the Bible itself, the Word of God, is so important. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and divides asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And here's what it says. And it, the Word of God, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That's why if you want to be a people that are discerning in this hour. You need to be a people of the Word of God, right? We need to be a people of the Scripture, because the Scripture, made alive by the Holy Spirit, will help us to discern where these things are coming from. And why is that important? Because if you're not careful, once a thought comes and you receive it, then you start coming into agreement with the thought, and you start building with that thought, but not realizing that thought actually has a whole Um, being or a kingdom behind it that has an agenda and now you're pulled into the agenda of that kingdom you know it's either the kingdom of God I mean you know think about what Peter said to Jesus you can't go to the cross that sounds like a pretty good thing to say I love you we're having a great time you're making a difference on the earth you got good things going on but Peter was clueless to the real difference he was about to make and how he would make it by giving his life on the cross. So it sounded good, but it wasn't God. Actually, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's the devil's kingdom at at work there. So you can see how important this grace, the discerning of spirits, really is. Very, very important. There is coming in the end of the age. Please hear me deception like the earth has never known before. I want to just read to you some scriptures. I pray you're taking notes and you can jot these down and chew on these later, but I'm going to read to you a few scriptures, not in their entirety, but just enough to get the gist here. So this first one is in First John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beginning in verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Let me just stop for a second. Believe not every spirit. You didn't, maybe didn't even realize as a Christian that you're being talked to by spirits. Now I know this gets all spooky for people. I'm just reading the Bible to you. You can go judge it yourself. This is not my stuff. This is God's stuff. It's his book. He wrote it. And he was telling, don't believe every spirit. So that says that sometimes thoughts will come to you Impressions will come to you. Ideas will come to you. And it's not just you thinking up something. The thought actually came from somewhere. Our job is to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Come on. To pull down vain imaginations. Things that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. There's all kinds of stuff wanting to use our bodies to show forth their kingdom. If the devil can get you and I to agree with him, and get us, then he gets us acting like he's acting. And then before you know it, his kingdom is being manifested. Same thing's true of God. So, we've got this spiritual world, like it or not, that's trying to interface with us constantly, trying to use us for its own agenda constantly. So here the apostle says, Don't believe every spirit. But try the spirits to see whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now you say, oh gosh, well that's real simple. That's all I need to know. I just need to ask somebody if they're preaching or they're telling me something. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? And if they say yes, then they've got to be from God. I wish it was that simple. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of cults out there that will tell you in a heartbeat, yes, I believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. Because you've got to understand this. Remember, we've got to be discerning here Believe not every spirit, but try them. Which means we need to get all of our tools out for trying them. John gives us a clear thing. The question here is, confessing Jesus, which Jesus are we talking about? Because if, if they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, and they're talking about the right Jesus, then we can say that that's the Holy Ghost. But it's not every Jesus. And you say, well, give me a verse for that. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 3, the Apostle Paul is concerned over the Corinthian church that maybe she's going to be seduced from the simplicity of the gospel. And here he says to those in the Corinthian church, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, you, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaches, here it is, another Jesus, whom, you have not, whom we have not preached or if you receive another spirit which you have not received or another gospel which you have not accepted you might well bear with him did you see that not every person who uses the name jesus is talking about the same jesus that the, that god has in mind okay there are lots of Jesuses out there don't be deceived just because somebody comes and uses the name jesus christ even yes i believe he came in the flesh The question is, which Jesus are we talking about? Because there is another Jesus. There's another spirit you could receive, is what Paul's concerned about with the Corinthian church. And he says, listen, we first brought to you this gospel. Make sure that you don't leave the simplicity of that gospel. Okay, So you've got to know which Jesus in order to discern these things. But again, we're trying to highlight the point here. We need discernment, don't we? The discerning of spirit. Spirits. What spirit is behind that message that somebody's bringing me or that agenda? Taking the same thought along a little further, Matthew 24. It's good just to hear these scriptures. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 3. And it says, And as He, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto Him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Talking about the end of the age. And what shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The way I interpret this is pretty straight up here. I just think people are going to come in the name of Jesus, saying that he is the Christ, and deceive many. Do you know there are many people right now who throw the name Jesus around just as confidently as you do, you know. But Jesus says there's many who will come in my, be careful that no one deceives you. It's not just saying the name Jesus that validates their doctrine. You got to know which Jesus it is. What's the real message and the spirit behind the message? Where is this taking us? Where is it going? And you have to be discerning and you have to have I believe a basic sense of the scripture. But if nothing else, if you've got this gift in you, you know, you could be somebody could be talking to you and everything they're saying sounds great, but in your gut, it's just going like something's not right. Guess what? More often than not, that's the Holy Spirit who's bearing witness to what is true and what is not true. It's what the scripture said He that believes on the Son of God has a witness in himself. You have a witness on the inside. And it's not, it's, sometimes it doesn't even make sense up here, but in your gut, it's just, there's a check. There's something there that's troubled. And that's a sign that you should slow it down and be cautious. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15 says this. For such are false prophets, apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no, no great thing uh, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform are transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works really what that says to me is that these are false apostles false prophets false teachers. The end of the age is going to be littered with them. They're going to be everywhere. And he says, it should be no marvel to us. Because the devil himself can look like an angel of light. Is it any wonder that his ministers are also look like ministers of the gospel? Ministers of the gospel. He's saying, but I'm telling you, there's deception behind it. And we, the church, without becoming cynical and critical, come on, need to be discerning. And there's a difference between just being cynical and critical and being discerning. There's an absolute difference. But I want us to see it here today because we're talking about a gift. Thank God for the gift of discerning of spirits. Left to ourselves, we could never figure it out. But God has given a gift, the discerning of spirit. Wow. You know, I, I, most of you know that you know. I, for years I worked with my hands. I was a house builder and then a cabinet maker. I had my own cabinet business for a while. And I know the value of good tools. I've used lousy tools. I've I've made tools. I've invented tools, you know. And I know the difference between a good tool and a bad tool. How many guys do I have in the room who I have a witness with right now? How many gals? Actually gals like good tools too. Come on. (laughs) Kitchen tools. You know? Amen. it matters having a good tool it matters having the right tool it absolutely matters having the right tool and you know you get so frustrated you know so here I am I'm going to really throw myself out there I know I mentioned this already but my boat cushion went bad and I decided to make a new one because I couldn't find the one I needed okay got a boat cushion and it was all sun torn and I decided to make one I thought you know what I'm going to make I can build things I have the ability to measure and figure stuff out and uh, so I had this missions yard sale sewing machine that they were throwing out at the end of the thing. And I thought, you know, that would be nice just to have at the house if you need to sew a hem or something like that sitting there. Well, they couldn't muster the job. Couldn't get through all this stuff. So through a series of divine appointments, I ended up with a 1961 Singer sewing machine that can sew leather. And I want you to know, I went, I went, f- I went from, I went from <laughs> like... Frustration. I mean, wads of balls of thread all hung up under this old machine, you know. And actually, I got had a different one that I was working with between the singer and that one. And I was just, I was ready to pray in tongues. I mean, I was just, I was at that point, man. I was just, you know. You should have prayed in tongues. My wife is saying. And then, and then when I, when I, when I, when I got this 1961, no belt, all gears, steel driven. I mean, this is before they started cheapening them, right? And I put that thing in there. I was like, we are now in the anointing. This is the anointing. This is the difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost and not. That's what That, just, that experience was just perfect, man. It's like, this is heaven. The right tool. The right tool. Think of how much suffering we go through because we've not employed, and I have to say honestly to you, you know, for a guy to own a sewing machine, come on, talk to me. (laughs) Trust me, I've already been through it. I've thought about painting it black, some pinstripes or something, and some racing stripes. I've been working on ways to kind of like toughen it up some, you know. It doesn't matter at this point because I need the gift. It saved me some money. My wife's got all kinds of hopes now that I'm going to do some stuff for her with it, but I don't know if that's going to work or not. <laughs> Why won't you flow in your gift? I don't think it's going to be that popular. <laughs> maybe, maybe your gift is, you know, one of those gifts that's... I, I tell you, we're just coming to a place where well, we're going to need every possible thing God has made available. And I believe the hour is on us where we're going to rejoice at the grace of every gift in the body of Christ. Every gift matters and needs to be engaged and employed. This gift, what a gift for the time we're living in. The discerning of spirits. Jesus, with rampant deception prophesied over the end of the age. False prophets, false teachers in the name of Christ. False people coming looking like Christians but they're not Christians and they're bringing all this up. We need this grace like never before. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. Here's what it says. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction Comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I think this powerful verse of Scripture, or portion of Scripture here, to me, highlights something so critical for us. And that is that we're living in a day when people are going to say, Peace and safety. They're coming up with strategies to stabilize a very broken and dangerous world. And God says, in that hour, when they say peace and safety, or when they preach peace and safety through some other means than Jesus. That's the bottom line. By the way, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Did you know that Antichrist is not so much against Jesus as much as it is in place of Jesus? We think that Antichrist is like Against the person of Jesus. No, no. Jesus is a good man, according to the Spirit. He was a prophet, a prophet. Jesus, he's got great teachings and there's a lot of wonderful things to glean from him, but he's not the only way. He's just one of a multitude of sages and and voices throughout history that we should all kind of coexist. If you got one of those bumper stickers, God bless you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just telling you, that if you want to know, that's, that, that message you know, sounds so nice and it sounds so good. And I have to tell you, in, in, in the day, that was me. It just was. So I'm not speaking in criticalness or judgmentalism. I'm just talking about where God's taken me from, personally. It sounds great. Can't we all get along? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, don't confuse this thing. That is not the gospel. And the only hope for man is salvation because there's a heart issue that needs redeeming. It's not just get all, get along together. And this is the crux that's going to bring down a lot of persecution. It's already happening, and it's only going to increase according to the Scripture if you stand for the truth of the Gospel. Peace and safety, that other way. A Gospel of peace. There's a lot of things happening and moving right now in the world where there's a real um, effort to you know, quiet the dangers of the earth through some other means than the gospel. Don't be deceived just because it's under a Christian title. Listen for the message of the gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. The Apostle Paul says this, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2. Don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. So he says, don't be soon shaken. Don't be alarmed. I like to say it like this. Don't let fear be the preacher of your life, the thing that you're, you're listening to. Fear is one of the greatest catalysts to get people to go the wrong way in this hour. Fear. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of of how I'm going to eat, fear, you know, what's going to happen. If you fear, 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 fear. If you're not careful, that spirit of fear, which God hasn't given us, right? You know, think about it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I like to think of power, love, and a sound mind as the opposites of what fear brings, right? And fear, I'll tell you, fear won't bring a sound mind. It'll bring confusion and chaos and all kinds of stresses and things into your life. And so, we have to be very um, discerning of what spirit we're listening to. Remember, it can have a lot of really intelligent things to hear, but discern the spirit. That verse goes on to say, because those who loved not the truth God will give them over to a strong delusion that they believe a lie because the love of the truth isn't in them. You want to stay free from deception? Love truth. Every time it shows up, love truth. You know, sometimes truth has to be bought. It's not always the convenient thing, but love it anyways. Just learn to love truth. You know what? As hard as that is to hear, Pastor, it's the truth. As 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 rotten, I don't I don't want to have to face that, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the truth. Love truth. Embrace truth, and you can stay free, and I can stay free. So here's some examples in the scripture of the discerning of spirit at work. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. You know, it's the account where uh, the apostles are on their way to prayer. uh, And it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Boy, that sounds like a good message. These guys are God's prophets. They're God's mouthpiece. Listen to them, what they have to say. But you know what the spirit was? It just said it. Spirit of divination. In the Greek language, it's the spirit of Python. What it means, you can look it up in your, your Strong's Concordance. The spirit of Python coming to squeeze the life out of the church. What was the life of the church? They were on their way to prayer. They were on their way to prayer. You know, the devil's not concerned with the church having meetings. The devil's concerned with the church having meetings after she's been in prayer. The devil's concerned about a church who's communing with God. That's what makes the church powerful. It's God. It's not how many meetings we have. It's not how loud our sound system is. It's not how big this isn't bad. that It's not on that. It's about are we connected to the Lord? And so the Spirit saw their connection point and tried to cut them off on their way to prayer. And Paul saw it. Over a few days, he discerned what was going on. And uh, in verse 18, it says, And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. In that same moment, the Spirit came out. That's the discerning of spirits, right? Think about that. If that was you, you're on your way somewhere and you're a preacher of the gospel and somebody pipes in and says, these people are from God and they have a great message and a great ministry. Come on around here and everybody listen to them. What would you do with that? You'd say, well, that must be God. Good time to have a meeting. And yet it was a demon spirit working against them. Trying to keep them from meeting with God before they spoke under the anointing. I had an interesting uh, experience as a very new believer. Uh, Some of you know, some of you don't know, but I have a brother that was born with cerebral palsy. And uh, he's a great, great guy. He's... Basically, his, both his legs and his left hand are affected. The rest of him is normal. And he's just done amazing things. He's a certified scuba diver. He's been snow skiing. I mean, he's got, had these apparatuses built. He's now kayaking with this one-handed pivot joint where they can row with one hand. I mean, he just goes for it. You know, he lives by himself, has a, a lift in the ceiling, straps himself in, picks himself up. I mean, he just, he's, he's been an amazing, amazing guy. And I've I loved him ever since he was born, you know, as my brother. And just a neat, neat guy. And uh, so I had just gotten saved. I was in a church meeting. I was really new to the things of the Spirit of God. They had an altar call, and we were praying for people. And I went forward, and I had such a burden for my brother. And I remember just like crying out, somehow wanting God just to come down and fix him and, and whatever. And um, in that meeting, all of a sudden, as I was standing at the altar, all of a sudden, I felt, this, I know this sounds bizarre, but I'm just telling you what happened. I felt my hand go in the shape of his hand, like this. It just went like this, and I felt my legs kind of going like this. It just came over me. And I, I, I tell you, I was like, I, I was thinking in my youth and whatever, that somehow I was like, feeling what he's feeling, and that as I was feeling this, God was healing him. That's kind of what I was thinking. But the pastor Thank God for this pastor. He came up. He didn't know really what was going on, but he saw me actually beginning to go like this, and he began to pray over me, and he broke the power of a mocking spirit. A mocking spirit. And I remember being confused by that because I was just trying to get my brother healed, you know? But the deception, the subtle deception I was in was that somehow I could bear his infirmity. You see, Jesus bore his infirmity on the tree. And somehow in my own soul, I had kind of taken on something that Jesus already took on. And I tell you, this pastor, I look back now, and I believe he was spot on. And he actually was keeping me from getting under something that was like me trying to fix my brother and pay for my brother or somehow make it happen when my faith needed to be more focused on the work of Christ on the cross for his healing. And so, it was an interesting thing that woke me up to the subtlety, the subtlety of how spirits can get involved and get attached in our lives. You know, one of the other interesting, and I think so important and beautiful things about the discerning of spirits is it's not all about just figuring out what negative spirits are around us and what things are happening, deception. It's actually a gift that brings encouragement to us as well. Encouragement. You remember the story where uh, the king of Syria is warring against Israel? This is in 2 Kings chapter six. And uh, Elisha the prophet, keeps seeing his strategies and warning the King of Israel what's about to happen, and they're always able to outwit the King of Syria as he's coming. And so finally, the king of Syria is getting so frustrated, and he says, why, what's going on? And he says, "Well, the prophet Elisha—he's like listening in your bedchamber to all your plans, and he keeps telling them what's going on." So this king decides, "Well, let's go get this guy Elisha. Let's go get him." Right. So they mount up this attack to go get Elisha. Second Kings chapter six and verse fifteen. And when the, and so what happens is, Elisha and his servant are there, and the servant looks up and sees all of this army encamped about them. Okay, the Syrian army is now camped about them. And this servant starts to panic, right? And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Isn't that an amazing story? And you say, well, they weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. How'd they tap into that? We've talked about this before. But in the Old Testament, they got to test drive the car. They couldn't own it. They just got to test drive it. Every now and then, God would let them out there, and they get to experience what was ours to be had in Christ, right? And God let them move in a limited measure of the anointing, but they could only test drive it. They could never own it because it had to be purchased, purchased, which is what Jesus did. And when Jesus purchased it, we now are the recipients of this grace. And so think about the encouragement that day. You ever been in a situation where everything around you was so overwhelming and all you could see was how many enemies and how many problems? Ever been there? Come on. All the problems, all the woes. And here the prophet says, Oh God, open his eyes to discern the spirit world to see that there are more that are with us than they that are against us. Think of the encouragement that would come on the church. Let's start with us, you and me. If we could see what God sees. I'll never forget the morning. Never. I forget the morning that uh, I, it was the day that I was going to have to bury my 17-year-old daughter. And... Uh, it was the day of her funeral. And I woke up knowing that that day was the day we would, we would lay her body in the ground. And when I woke up, I shared this with Christy, I woke up and I tell you, I was aware with such an awareness that all, we, we live on a two acre piece of ground kind of in the woods, you know. And I was aware that on that morning all around my house were angels in tents camping. Like you would see in, you know, one of these old war movies and, you know, Revolutionary War or whatever when you get all these guys in tents and they've got their fires burning and they're getting ready for a battle and so on. And I woke up. It was like the Patriot movie, you know. I woke up with tents all over my yard. And I knew it. And I tell you, it carried me that day. You know, the scripture says, the angel of the Lord in camps. Literally, it means pitches their tent. That's what it means in the Hebrew. Pitches their tent around those who fear him. And that morning I woke up into an encampment of angels. That day. You talk about encouragement. I tell you, it it, it helped me get through one of the toughest days of my life. One of the toughest days of my life. The knowledge of God was with me. Angels had been sent. An army of angels sent to my house on that day. It's powerful. I thank God for it. I already shared one time the story. And I think, you know, I believe that in in a measure I've received a portion of this grace for discerning of spirits because it's happened to me on more than one occasion. I've seen into the spirit realm. I've encountered angelic things. I shared the story when we were heading to India with a team of 10 people and uh, 9-11 hit. And we were now asking ourselves, should we still go? The whole area was in turmoil. And we had every team member pray and seek the Lord about if they still felt the grace to go. And we were going to whittle the team down to five so we could move around more readily. And on that day, I had everybody remembering, putting to remembrance Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty and so on. And I'm ironing clothes. I know I've told the story for most of you, but some of you haven't heard it and I'll keep it short. And I'm ironing clothes and all of a sudden in the house where my wife has decorated our home beautifully, there's a lot of angel um, things. She likes angels, you know. They're just decorative things that are in the house. And all I can tell you is that somehow all of a sudden I just felt like these, these images of angels that were in our home somehow became almost like they were moving and I was aware of the presence of angels in the house. I've never had it happen at, up to that point where I, where I knew what was going on. And basically, I, I sat down and I began receiving something from those angels that day. They brought to me, they told me, I said, why are you here? And I felt like in my heart, I didn't hear it out but in my heart I heard, we've come to bring you faith. And immediately my mind went to the scriptures. Can an angel bring you faith? You know why? Because I'm trying to discern what's going on don't believe every spirit. And this was clearly a spiritual encounter. I was having a spiritual encounter that, that day. And, uh, and so I'm trying to check this thing out by the word of God. Can an angel bring faith? And immediately I thought of Jesus on his, at Gethsemane and he's praying at the rock and he says, Father, if it's possible to take this cup from me, take it away from me, but nevertheless not my will, but your will be done. And it says as soon as he said that, an angel came. You can read it in your Bible. And strengthened Jesus. Can you imagine that? An actual angel came and strengthened Jesus as he was heading to the cross. And so immediately that scripture came into my mind. And I knew that in fact God was not wanting me to head to India in doubt and unbelief. But he wanted me to head in faith. And we did. And we had a powerful trip. It was awesome. And I thank God that God sent an angel. I thank God that I was able to discern what kingdom it was from so I could receive what what it was bringing to me in that hour. So, here's a couple interesting, important points. I'm almost, I'm getting there. Amen. You'll get a certificate when you leave if you want one. (laughs) I am a certified spiritual discerner. Somebody's got to produce those pretty quick back there. Cheryl, I hope you're on that. (laughs) I just kind of put it out there, you know. Katie, what are you doing? Come on, get on that, Katie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in order to discern and and judge things accurately, here's what I believe is one of the kind of prerequisites. Obviously, you need to be walking in the Lord and so on. But we have to refrain from our own judgments, right? We have to refrain from our own carnal thinking. Discernment... That's the gift we're talking about. Discerning of spirits is different from judgment. You see, we judge things based on the knowledge of good and evil, which is the tree we were forbidden to eat from. We judge things based on what we see and we put together and we try to do the math and we think, well, I don't know if that person looks too you know, trustworthy and you know, we've got all these little things we try to judge by. And I'm telling you, that'll get you sideways. That won't help you, that kind of judgment. So to get the kind of discernment we're talking about, you have to intentionally choose to not judge by what you see and what you hear. You have to be intentional about it. Just go ahead, because your tendency is going to be as soon as you see a thing, to start forming a judgment about it. And I'm telling you, if you want this grace to operate in your life, you've got to refuse your own ideas in order to get God's ideas. Let me give you the model of Jesus' ministry, Isaiah 11 and verse 3, talking about Jesus. And it says, And His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what His eyes see or decide disputes by what His ears hear. Right? Here's how Jesus operated. He did not judge by what he saw or by what he heard. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be, be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. But how did he get all, uh, to all that good judgment? By not using his eyes and his ears and his carnal thinking. So you want to flow in this thing? When you start to form an opinion, shut it down. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes and He will make known. That's 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. till the Lord makes known something to you. Discernment comes when we refuse to do it on our own. You see, pride is the thing that thinks we can figure it all out. Humility is the thing that says, I don't know. I have no clue what's really going on here. That's the bottom line. That's the truth. I can see somebody, but I have to, in my heart, say, you know what? I really don't know. So, God, if I'm going to know, you're going to have to help me. But I've got to get my heart in that place before I can get that kind of discernment flowing from the Lord. You want to stay deception free? You've got to stay close in your walk with the Lord. I want to just give you this. I, I'm, I am attempting to land the plane here, but this is important stuff. I remember one time I had this impression, vision, if you will, of a sort, where I saw myself in a room. It was like this room right here, full of Christians, wonderful people. And everybody was happy and at peace in the room. And good news is that in the room, along with all of us, was Jesus. I thought, this is a great, Thing to see where i am jesus is and where he is i am and i'm in the same room with jesus that's awesome right so i was just kind of enjoying um, the fact that i was in a safe place a good place i was in the right place right and as i was just kind of enjoying the fellowship and whatever jesus was on the other end of the room and every now and then he'd, he'd even look at me and and i could tell that he he was acknowledging me across the room and that was real nice but then all of a sudden it dawned on me i can't hear what he's saying Because I'm across the room. I'm in the room, that's good, but I'm across the room. And I couldn't hear what he was saying. It started bugging me. The fact that I was happy, safe, but I couldn't hear what he was talking about. Something in my heart said, you know what, it's not enough just to be a Christian. It's not enough to be in the safety of the covering of of the covenants and all that stuff. That's wonderful. But it it wasn't enough for me. What, what, What I was longing for is what is he talking about? what is he saying? You ever been in a room like that where you know you're in the right place but but somebody you can't hear what they're saying? So I made my way. <laughs> and I'm encouraging us today to make our way close to him. Don't just be a Christian. Thank God for being a Christian, but don't just be a Christian. Don't just be in church. Don't just be a part of, you know, the family of God. Be close to Him. Because in this hour, what He says, what He has to say, I mean, we need, we need like real-time instruction, <laughs> you know? I hear so many people talking about, what are you going to do, you know? We've got this blood moon coming up, and we've got all the popes coming to talk to the UN, and, you know, is he the Antichrist? I've got all this stuff going around, you know? As a pastor, you get a lot, Right? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to stay close to him. And what he wants to tell me, he's going to tell me. And what I need to do, he's going to tell me to do. And I'm going to flow out of my relationship with him. That's that's and you can do what you want. I'm just telling you. That's the only place I get any kind of peace is knowing my safety is in a person My safety is in a person. Nearness to Christ. The other important thing if you're going to stay deception free is don't get isolated. It's good to be close to the Lord. It's also good to be close to brothers and sisters. Don't get isolated. I will say as this local church is concerned, there's lots of opportunities to develop relationships. We have home groups that meet. We have prayer groups that meet. We have men's, you know, gatherings on Wednesday mornings we have places to get fellowship and connected and if you don't get connected somewhere I'll just tell you the saying I believe is a very true saying isolation breeds deception isolation breeds deception we need each other right and somewhere um, it's it's incumbent upon each of us to stay connected in the body, You know, the truth is, you might not have this gift in its fullness, the gift of discerning of spirits. But if you're in relationship with the body, and that gift is in the body, guess what? You'll get the benefit of the gift. You'll have the gift vicariously through the life of a member of the body which you belong to. So you might not operate in this thing in its fullness by yourself, but you can sure have the benefit if you're attached properly to a body of people. I'll say this and then we're gonna pray this morning I don't I'm not one of these like gloom and doom guys or these you know alarmists or anything like that but I'm convinced that before the coming of the Lord the world's gonna get crazy I can't read my Bible and not see it there's coming trouble to the planet you know it's gonna happen and yeah it's already here no question about it but you know Uh, But that shouldn't terrify us. Let nothing terrify you, right? But look up, your redemption is drawing near. I mean, these are the signs of the coming of the Lord. It's a great thing, but we should not be ignorant of what that really means. And I'm convinced that as things, I'll never forget when 9-11 hit, I was standing with a group of pastors praying, weekly prayer gathering, when those planes crashed into the trade center. We were in a circle at the exact moment they were hitting. Do you know that this community in droves came together for prayer for about two weeks? Three weeks maybe. Yeah, we set up a community prayer gathering and everybody was there and until the dust settled and, and we slowly just kind of go back to our, oh. I'm telling you this oh, factor isn't going to be so easily cured. I believe there's droves of people coming, knocking at the door, saying, what must I do to be saved? And guess what? You're here right now, learning these things, being encouraged in these things, because in God's mind, you're going to be in a different place than that. That's His desire. We're not going to be in that place where we're just totally overwhelmed because God, by His grace, is helping us, hopefully, To get connected properly to one another and to Him. And in that, there's going to be grace flowing for help in time of need. And what are you going to say when they say to you, what must I do to be saved? What are you going to say? Receive Jesus as your Savior. That's a good one. Real simple. You know, I pray you see it. You are God's plan for a world in trouble. I know, pretty brave of God. <laughs> really, he, you talk about faith. You know, God has faith beyond. Truth is, that's why you've, many of you have been going through such difficult places. I, I'm convinced of it. So that you've learned how to lay hold on God. You're not just grabbing on to you know, whimsical things. You're getting a hold of the Holy Spirit. And as you've gained help from the Lord, you're going to be able to help others in the same way you've been comforted, the same way you've been helped by God. You're going to be a help to others. Your suffering and your problems have not been in vain. Amen. Alright, so jump up on your feet. I want to pray this morning and just believe God. If you can't jump, then just slowly get up. (laughs) Some, Some of you were struggling to obey. I could see that. Bible says desire spiritual gifts. It's quite okay, actually. It's God's plan that we would crave these gifts. And so this morning, I just want to ask God for this wonderful grace to be poured out over this congregation. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you this morning that we don't have to walk in the darkness. We don't have to walk in deception. But that you have given this gift, the discerning of spirits, to your church. And that's who we are. We're a part of your body those who believe in You. Lord, I'm asking today, by simple faith, You said by faith we would would access grace. And today, we've come to find this grace through faith. We're asking today, Lord, without doubt, we're believing You for the gift of the discerning of spirits. That not every word spoken will be received by us because not every word spoken comes from You. And Lord, I thank you right now for just a fresh release of this grace over this congregation. That we would walk in discernment. Lord, that we wouldn't be critical. We wouldn't be judgmental out of our own minds and our own hearts and judging things out of just carnal knowledge. But we would be those who know how to wait on you. And that this grace of discernment would begin flowing in our lives. And we would see things as they really are. If there's demonic things, we wouldn't be sucked into them. And we could warn others. Lord, if we need to see and open heavens and angels around us to encourage people and encourage ourselves, Lord, I thank you for just an, the ability to see what we need to see in the spirit world that's all around us right now. And Lord, I pray right here in this place today for those that are struggling. I feel like some of you have just really been discouraged really in a tough uh, battle you've been fighting through. And my prayer, like Elisha's prayer, is that God would open your eyes to see that there are more that are for you than those that are against you. Somebody needs to grab onto that this morning. Uh, There's some of you right now that you don't know what's going to happen within the next few weeks of your life. But I hear the Lord saying, there are more that are for you than they that are against you. Lord, open the eyes to see. And Lord, I pray that not only would we be encouraged, but that we would be able to help others. In Jesus' name, amen.